Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Hello, everybody! Welcome! Welcome to June. And June, of course, is busting out all over. Uh, Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And we welcome you to a summer of fun and frivolity and um, I don't know, I can't think of a third word, and uh, just generalized merriment. Uh, But... um, the show today is the show today deals with what happens after we are gone. No, it's not like a dead episode. Like what happens when we die? This is a, this is a, what, what, you know, what we are to each other. Who, what do we leave behind the legacy, the legacy of what happens after, after a time immemorium and, uh, and in this case, what happens when movies decide they want to revisit things that they, oh, the, the times that they used to live in, maybe when they were popular, and wanting to recapture that popularity again for a whole new generation? Uh, wow. Yeah, we're going to. Wow. You didn't really yeah. look up the definition of a legacy sequel, did you? You just made all that up, didn't you? you well, I, I mean, I went with the definition of legacy. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, technically, you know, technically <laughs> the, the, the main definition of legacy is a financial. Uh, it's a financial term. And legacy means um, a, a certain amount of money you leave after you are uh, mm. after you pass. After that makes you are sense. Gone, I mean, I've which heard makes it perfect sense. Yeah, which makes it per- which makes perfect sense when you term when you think of movie legacies because really it's all about just wanting to get that money. It's about that, that Benjamins, uh, I didn't know. Yeah. It, that's neat that it started out in you know economic yeah, and the, finance. We should have had Shauna on the show, but then she would have had to watch a lot of really terrible movies to take care of. This <laughs> one, unfortunately. Yep, yep. This is uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it's. Uh, yeah, that's technically the the first definition when you when you look it up is it, it comes from, um, well, and it, it, the etymology of the joint the <laughs> etymology has to do with uh, comes from the Latin legate, which is uh, uh, yeah, I don't remember, but anyway. Well, um, the idea, the reason it's fresh in my mind, and it's it, it, because we just it may if you guys didn't know and you haven't been paying attention somehow or you missed our May shows, but our tuning in for june we spent the month with with our buddy michael talking about the mad max movies and mad max has an interesting what i would call at least in part a a legacy sequel which we left out Mm -hmm. mad max fury road very popular movie recently semi-recently that nevertheless came out 
uh, way, way, way after the actual series that we discussed, Heyday. It mm-hmm. it doesn't fit that category perfectly, but it it fits it in a lot of really key ways. And Michael's like, well, when are we going to talk about that? And I was like, well, someday we're going to do a whole legacy sequel episode. And of course, we didn't invite him for this, so he's going to talk <laughs> about it. Well, he can a... talk about it next week. He can talk about it next week on a very special episode of the movie show with Michael and Ryan. When we get rolling here in a couple seconds, you you'll see that I I mostly this is mostly a terrible idea. Even when it works, it's a, it's a, a legacy sequel is a, oh, typically meant... a, a terrible idea. I thought you meant it was a terrible idea for a show. No, it's a it's a great idea for a show. <laughs> And, and a like, couple of well, but, when I get going, you're gonna see it. It's a but be a little idea. patient with us. A couple of these, when we get to the really good ones, are are mm-hmm. worthy of their their own show. They're that good. So right. So it does. It's like everything. The legacy sequel itself. That's not what's evil. It's how you use it, Joel. Ah, correct. Yes, it is. It is not necessarily the superpower. It is how you wield it. But. Boy, is that a big thing right now. And we'll talk about the where's and why for is of it as we go one yeah. movie at a time like we always do. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump on into it. Uh, I'm trying to think of like, uh, is there any um, theme I want to play? We don't really, um, this doesn't really fit into any of our traditional When categories. there's no theme to play, I always break out Synth Blast, baby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh I had it I had it right here. Um just in case. Uh and here it is. Okay. Here we go everybody. We are going to break down some legacy sequels. That's what that was Booyah. for. Just to add emphasis to Just a half. Yep, just a half. Um or we could I could have gone Legacy. Well, this would have made me want a legacy sequel. So I, I, you know, a legacy sequel. Um, but yeah, that doesn't doesn't work as well. You need the. I mean, that harpsichord always works, or it wouldn't be in a mm-hmm. monster octopus film. But you know, in the oh, tentacoli. Um. All right. First up. First up, we're going to talk Tentacoli's about. Sorry, uh, Henry Fonda. Of course, Henry was in some crap at the end of his career, but it just hurts. It hurts your heart to think of him in a movie that bad. Yep. Those other guys, uh, they're there's he had a few years yet before. There, but Henry Fonda, yeah, he, dude, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? Here, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to start the show. Is a long. No, show it's too, good. It's good. But I've been watching, uh, and we actually did a show that included a bunch of these. Uh, um, blockbusters that you left behind during the covid era we're like hey here's a bunch of big hollywood movies that that sucked so you didn't watch them now you can pretend like you're having a big summer even though nothing's coming out in the theater except tenant if i remember correctly correct and uh you know so i've been watching some of these fantasy movies i don't know why just because i couldn't get creative and they're all kind of came out at the same time and i was watching 47 Ronin, which is still bad. Everybody, just so you know, uh, <laughs> Gods of Egypt, the great tax write-off ex- African experiment is terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, but it, but not super. I mean, very watchable. It passes the time. None of these. Once you do a movie on that scale, it's with that many people, and even with the suits giving you notes, even when you follow the notes, 
it's hard to make a movie that's just not watchable or that just makes no sense or is awful on that level. And you typically don't mm-hmm. you make something that's boring or stupid, but not just garbage. It's just really, really yeah, tough. Yeah. You could never have a tentacoli in Hollywood, and you certainly couldn't have one in Hollywood today. Right. Um, right. It rises. Part of, part the, of movies the like that. It. Yeah, movies like that only rise to the level of. Hey, mm. But I saw Alicia Vikander in Seventh Son, and I was like, what the hell? What? Why? Like, all the rest of these people, I -hmm. get it. Cool. But what are you... Why? Or the worst one was Rebecca Ferguson showing up in that that The Rock Hercules movie. What are you doing here? Why are you here? (laughs) I just kind of couldn't believe it. And I was like... I guess, you know, everybody goes through that phase and her phase and only then, lasted yeah. that one terrible movie. Yep. But well, Rhett she Ratner's was still Hercules starring Dwayne Johnson. I mean, this whole thing is But at like, that point, she she wasn't like, I mean, she was She well wasn't a big regarded. star, but she'd only done yeah. excellent things. Look at her thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, that's what I mean. It's it's this was the maybe this was the like she was trying to do of like, well, I need a big I need a big blockbuster to raise my uh, my Q rating or whatever they call it. Or her, um, her agent, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, her then, that or... and then they like they're like, well, we can if we do this, then we can start a uh, we'll do one for you and do one for me where I'll do your crappy blockbuster. But let me do. Um, She's in plenty of blockbusters. Know. They're just good. Yeah, now she is. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. I mean, maybe that was the stepping stone to that as possible. But watching her in yep. that is like, it's crazy. Oh, she, she's so. By the way, just decide because it's one of my favorite book series of all the all time, and yeah. I'm loving the series. She's really good in Silo. Yeah, the Silo series I, on on Apple TV. I never oh. had any question. The first time I ever saw her was in that Stars miniseries, a White Queen, and it just takes your yeah. breath away right from the start. And I, I um, normally I take yeah. a while to get used to people, and they take a while to get used to me. But the but man, Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson, you are here. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, for you <laughs> love it, love it. Love all right, it, love sorry, it. the show. Uh, all right, okay. So anyway, legacy sequel. Um, all right, T- uh, here's here. I'm gonna read it verbatim, um, and uh, and it'll kick us off. Well, here. I wrote, the I got co- sort of into it last night and wrote a fairly clever rundown for the show. So yeah, no, yeah, right, right, yeah, Ryan's rundown, and and I was about to sort of like mix and match, sort of like I was gonna uh, alter the uh, the order of this, but I'm gonna say it the way it's written: The Color of Money, the first legacy sequel. Well, maybe you guys, maybe. Where that's a little, I mean, because Color of Money, 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a while back. And, and but it's an interesting movie. And I, the, I guess the reason I put it first is because it's the second oldest on this list. And it's, and so that sort of answers that question. The oldest, yeah. I guess, you know, the first, no, just it isn't. We'll get to what actually it was. <laughs> but, um, but it's an interesting one to talk about. It it's because it has it is a legacy sequel, and it, it before anyone would ever call it that, or even consider doing one is it's it, you know, because there's a big caveat with the one that actually came before it. Uh, Color of Money is not a direct sequel, but contains the same character, much more wise and aged and mellowed out, at uh, by Martin Scorsese. 
by uh, from Robert uh, Rossin's um, The Hustler way back in the, I want to say the early 60s, which is the greatest billiards yeah, movie I'm, if there is such a genre ever made. And, and of course, Color of Money is probably the second best or third best, perhaps. Right. It's But it's right up there at the top because there aren't that many of those. Um, it's interesting, interesting film and really interesting to revisit a character that much later. And it's, there may be many others that I'm not thinking of, but that's the first sort of high profile. Here were two master filmmakers in their day making these movies way, way, way apart. Uh, same actor, same character. It's not, let's do the same thing again. Color of Money is a completely different kind of movie than The Hustler mm-hmm. is. Um, but that idea of where did that, where did that happen? I don't think it was, let's do a movie about this guy. I think it really was somebody's writing a, you know, a pool movie and suddenly decides, well, what if this, what if this old, the old grizzled guy was, was fast guy? Eddie. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And, and being able like to run with that idea and having whoever the rights holders and whoever the people were like to just say, yeah, we'll work that out. And then to get, Paul Newman in a Scorsese film in the late eighties is great. And, mm-hmm. and I, so it sort of, it explains kind of what it is. It's all this time later, all this time later. And almost all of these share that, you know, that's what makes them a legacy sequel, not just a sequel. Right. It, it, all this time has passed and, and things are very, very different. I mean, the time jump just isn't part of the twist of the end of season two. It's, it's, it's the whole shebang. It's the whole word. It's the reality that we're dealing with as soon as we begin to write one. And, and you will see all of these sort of pull that off one way or another. This one does it very, very gracefully, but then of course it lets itself completely off the hook. I I really do think that guy being fast Eddie, I don't, I don't have any proof of this. There's probably out there somewhere. Check it out. But I really do feel like that was, decided later because it 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 fits and works like a charm but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like let's it doesn't feel like even an attempt to, to tell his continuing saga there's right that it's more thematically rich and interesting than that and um and that's why i dig it yeah yeah i mean because yeah it is um yeah, because if this were if this were a like a sequel, sequel like a direct, uh, well, I can't even like I, I. But you're right; it's not Fast Eddie's story. I mean, it, it kind of is. I mean, it kind of is, is, but it, it's it doesn't feel I mean, like it, it's. Let's catch up with Eddie. It re- just doesn't yeah, yeah. have that, that feel to it at all. It it really is just this guy happens to be a guy that we have some history with, and the yeah, film. Yeah the film doesn't really dwell on that history. It just, it just uses it to great effect to, because I saw color of money before I ever saw Hustler decades before I finally went back and saw yeah. Hustler. So, you know, it, it doesn't even need that, but I think in a lot of viewers minds, and I think in the filmmakers minds, the fact that we've gone on a adventure with this guy already. And now here he is, yeah a very changed man by things we don't even super explore. It, it, it's cool. It's that 
mm-hmm. that history. Well, we I whenever I'm asked to concede something cool about the Marvel movies, it's, it's harder with each passing movie. Uh, the thing is always it, the history with the people. I mean, that's it, it has their huge, huge entertainments that have the value of a television show's history and your knowledge of them and that you've gone on these other adventures with them, that you've seen them get together and break up and hurt each other's feelings. And, you know, what I mean, you've seen all that. And when you're spending time with somebody, that's spending time with somebody you know. And the more cheesy and... and um iconic or you know what i mean the more yeah. they are their powers kind of people they are the more value that has in the storytelling so this really works the same way works the same way yeah. as a big superhero franchise it's if you know you know that dude and you know him when he was the hot young kid and now here's a, another hot young kid coming into the picture and right. shaking things uh-huh. up yep uh all right so if that you know we look at that as sort of like the oldest etc but legacy sequels question mark that's our first that's our fox news thing it we know that's not true but if we put a question mark on some people some people are saying that this is the first legacy sequel some of them are saying and i had i once had a I once had a four-star general come up to me, tears in his eyes, tears in his eyes. And he said, sir, the color of money is a legacy sequel. Is said, it? You still always have to, when I you said, know better, you have to end with the thing to cover your ass. <laughs> is it? Is it? Um, are, well, where, one place where legacy sequels uh, run rampant. Well, um, why? Because, because sequels run mm-hmm. rampant. I mean, what yeah. film genre, oh, you'll get one guess, mm-hmm. has umpteen trillion sequels every time it has a good idea? There's only one. Mm-hmm. And is... that is the horror genre. <sighs> yeah, it is the horror genre. And and the first real pregnancy sequel... or. Pregnancy sequel, the legacy sequel that I could find, (laughs) or that I really thought of was a horror thing, and it's actually a a very underrated one, you know, which Mm -hmm. was uh, Psycho Two, which came out a couple years before, yeah, uh, Color of Money, which was um, directed by uh, Australian Richard Franklin, was in color was you know really none of the things that psycho was um but it's let's go back to the bates motel and see how things are going it really is let's check in here yeah (laughs) what's norman up to but anyone seen norman lately well because when we last saw norman i believe norman was was behind bars and was behind looking very much like his mind had been separated from his body in a really really key way um, so how do you get back into that? Well, you just sort of reset yourself and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, Psycho, I don't know what Universal was thinking or what the thought was at the time, but it was really just what we think now when we reboot all these things. Not so much legacy sequels, but it's definitely the horror reboot is based, and really the reboot of any kind is based on, you know, Ghostbusters means something. Footloose means something. These things, Flashdance means something. They mean something to mm-hmm. people. So 
we, we can sell that. We can already sell that because we've already sold it. And they just always would rather sell a, an existing property than have to get you into something new. And that, I really do feel it was what motivated Psycho, but Psycho 2, not going to dwell on it, but it's in, in this weird category where I pretty much hate everything, and it's I just want to set it aside just a touch to say, well, look, it's first out the gate, pretty much, mm -hmm. that I'm aware of, and it not that bad a movie is pretty good. It's like the right. Psycho series that feature uh, Anthony Perkins, all three of them are kind of decent in their own way. They, the only issue is that they're, they're cheap 80s psychological horror films, whereas, you know, the first is a all-time classic. It, it, these yeah. just aren't that, and we're never going to be that. But that, that aside, they're not they're not half bad, so I wanted to say that first. Yeah. And then what else do we have in here that I've... Ah, uh, well, we... Um, this category we, we could kind have been of as look, long as my arm. Yeah, we look as... Uh, we, we look at Halloween, but uh, specifically, like, when Halloween sort of decided to revisit itself in 2018. Well, Halloween... Uh, right, Halloween had... Halloween's just been through a lot, and yeah, it, definitely sequelitis, where all the sequels are are bad to some degree. I know that there are fans of Halloween uh, three around here. Halloween three is okay, um, but precisely because it has nothing to do with Halloween, Halloween two is a well made movie, but it's got a really terrible empire strikes back like plot twist in it that just really made really hamstrung all the rest of the halloween movies they were hamstrung by themselves by simply choosing to exist when everyone didn't have any new ideas so they deserve it but the halloween mm -hmm. series sorry with, with respect to michael the halloween series is terrible it's, it's, it's first one out of the gates with half as good as this the very first one and it just doesn't get better it gets worse and worse and worse that's what happens with pretty much all of these and halloween unlike friday the 13th which already sucked even the first movie's not good halloween is a really really good movie so it makes the it uh, being a massive mm -hmm. series all the more tragic but somewhere in there they re they put halloween aside they ended it and then they rebooted it and then the reboot and, yeah. had two or three sequels and then and then after that uh david gordon green i want to say the uh director came in and and wanted to basically get back to what halloween was and and halloween 2018 i call it because it's just called halloween um right is decent it's if people were really excited about it um halloween kills and halloween ends are terrible i think if you look yeah. at halloween 2018 in context if you look closely and you really admit it to yourself it's fairly terrible as well <laughs> they're all bad and they all kind of i appreciate what they're going for to get this thing back to prominence they were big hit movies something that i i can't remember a halloween movie being Mm -hmm. ever and um so the legacy sequel served the series sort of but did it really it's hard to say it's not the right. same it, it is not the same because they're not scary they're brutal and violent and just awful and while while i prefer that to being goofy or funny which we'll get to in a second yeah. i much prefer it in fact it's still that 
widescreen boogeyman show, you know, where, where, you know, the violence was spare, but the stalking and the sort of relentless, it's there to get you feel of the original Halloween has never, ever in any sequel of that film even been attempted, which to me is crazy. You didn't even try to do that. Why didn't you do that? That's what we all know. That's what's great about it. It's not the theme song. It's not all the callbacks. It's not the Easter eggs. I mean, come on, you guys. And yeah. David Gordon Green, as good a filmmaker as he is, spent his whole decade making Halloween legacy sequels. And to what end? I'm not sure anything good came of those, but right. maybe. Feel free to disagree with me if you want. <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Michael will have something to say about it. Well, he really um, liked Halloween 2018, but he hated, hated, hated Halloween Kills. And I was like, how could yeah. you? Again, with Michael, no offense, Michael, it's cool. He doesn't listen to the show anyway unless he comes on it. Nope. But he's just too busy. Um, although we'll see him next week. Psh, preview coming to get, uh, up. Um, he... He just, he, I don't know how you can, how can you love that and, and hate that? Like, uh, this can't be that good and this can't be that bad is my, always my reaction when I read reviews like that, you know? How can right. you cry three times during A Star is Born remake <laughs> and still hate it and give it the one star? Like, I, I don't, I, I can't, even if it just affected you no. genuinely for one moment, it's surely not garbage. But I, but I, then my brain doesn't work that way. So that's, right. that's on me. Not so much. No, not so much the reviewer <laughs> in question. Right. Um, all right. Uh, next up is uh, Candyman. It's this J Jim Candyman. This, <laughs> no, Candyman. Hey, and Jay, shit. You said it three times. Now shut the hell up. Yeah, well, I only said Candyman. Fair enough, but let's just be careful, yeah. please, during this okay. segment. It's only right. going to last a couple sec seconds. Well, know. you know, if you say if you say the word "requels" three times, um, <laughs> well, they launch another Batman series. I had a hard time yeah. finding a definition, but the kids are all, oh, that's a requel. They're all like they have everything separated into all their little piles, man. I really believe there's like two whole generations of children who grew up sorting their M and M's before they ate them. Because it feels like that's all we do today. But that's yep. give that a second. That's a separate category. Um, requel. Yeah, I mean it. It's sort of a sequel. It's sort of a reboot. It's it's got prequel elements in it. Uh, the most the weirdest one of these I can remember existing was um, the the sequel prequel slash requel to Three Hundred. The Spartan yes. fighting that that sequel, it's pretty good. I mean, I don't know how you make a sequel to the 300 when they're all dead, basically, at the end. You sort of show them at the beginning, and then you show what happens later, and you're bouncing back and forth. And it's clever, but it didn't make for a very satisfying movie, but I, it solved the problems of how do you solve a problem like this. So I, with that part of it, at least I admired. I can't speak to Candyman, but Candyman... I said it twice. I won't say it again. It was a very, very popular hollow, you know, horror series that has gone through the ringer, and that now here it is again. And and I don't know, mm -hmm. if, I don't know if the requel. It was a decent size hit. It was a horror hit, but it was still a decent yeah. size hit. And yeah. 
And I guess good for it. So requel. Not ever talk about that again. Okay. Yes. I think the internet definition of a requel. Yeah, a movie which revisits the subject matter of an earlier film, but is not a remake or linear continuation of its plot. So not really a legacy sequel at all. But you know, when are we going to talk about that? Revisits the subject matter. There's also interquel and midquel which are when you insert a movie in the middle of a timeline. Um, so I guess like solo, a Star Wars story would be a or midquel. Ro- or or Rogue inter- One would be one. Rogue interquel. One would be an interquel. Because uh, of course we know threequel, prequel. So there's all the quill. The quill uh, suffix is getting a workout in a lot of these. So um, yeah. And there's, uh, the, and there's the quarter quill. Don't forget. Quarter quilt, yep. Hunger Games um, deep dives coming later this year. Hang in there. Hello, boom. Um, so then we get the Scream franchise, the Scream number, whatever the fuck, or you go, whatever the no. Um, and uh, I hate so uh, movies, as you know. I hated them yeah. right out of the gate, and I I've never hated them more than I hate them right this moment. And uh, twenty minutes from now, I'm gonna hate them twenty minutes more than I hated than I hate them. <laughs> my hate for them only grows. My contempt for them is boundless. I mean, we you know we we always say we're not sitting here to talk, just rant about stuff we hate. That's not the movie show at all. That's not what we want it to be. But this 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 episode has some little dark places we have to go along the ride. So hang in there. Um, yeah. I won't talk too much about the screen movies as I sort of litigated them already. If you listen to, if you're regular, listen to the show, they don't come up very often, but when they do, I just slam them completely. And all of the written work of Kevin Williamson and all of his directorial work, his television shows, every script he's ever done. It is all terrible, sir. The world would have been better without you. I really believe that in my heart. It's just an artistic thing. I don't know you personally, mm-hmm. uh, but I really do think you you while you have some talent, you bring only bad, awful stuff to the world. Yeah, and the screen movies, it, they are completely emblematic of that. There are they. It's let's joyously celebrate a sort of dark thing whilst providing you this endless countdown of creative novelty deaths that go on and on and on and on for a whole series. Uh, Mm -hmm. Final Destination movies are like this too, but the Final Destination movies are just for idiots and only stupid people watch them and and enjoy them. And it's so for those, it's kind of like, well, what I'm not going to complain about those. I'll let you have them. The screen movies have penetrated pop culture in these ways that you can't even stop little kids wear that killer outfit every Halloween, like in droves. It's a huge money-making thing. And, and despite its legacy of being kind of awful and having awful scandals on set and all these other issues that it has being sort of, um, really antiquated and how it doles out its, its love for its stars and everything else. We're still stuck here with they still keep making them and we keep seeing them. Mm-hmm. And the, literally the kids who grew up on the screen movies are now making the screen movies and they're they're to their credit. They are totally making them just as bad as they did back in the day. So yeah, congrats. Well, you it's definitely yeah, got the I mean, feel and the tone of those. Right. I mean, 
you know, and that's the only thing that was unique about it at the time. Uh, the 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 whole uh, I mean, the whole Scream franchise is based on the notion of of just someone going, look how clever I am. Yeah, I came up with this cool. I'm meta. It's taking meta. I like I, oh meta. This is gonna be so meta. And yeah, and that that uh, seemed to uh, resonate with, um, but you, with the kids, the younger generation well, and, these and, days. And cleverness is something that it has. It really does have it. It really does. It really does express that. So I don't. I'm not mad about its cleverness. My, what I what I dislike about them is that it it marries that to a journey that it takes you on that really, really requires that you, that you shut down your, your human empathy to enjoy it because it marries it to some really dark, awful stuff and to a total lack of value in anonymous human life. So you can't look around and see a stranger or somebody you don't know bite it in some horrible way in a movie and then just sit there and convince yourself that it doesn't matter so that you can have a mm -hmm. good time. You know, really it's just jump scares and you're sitting next to your boyfriend and you get to grab his hand and then you get to kind of giggle your way out of that and let the tension out at the end of the theater. Like I get what a horror, what a horror movie, especially what a date horror movie is, which right. these are basically the ultimate ones. But I, I you know me, I've yeah. said it again nope. and again and again. I don't, I don't like that. I read this article the other day, just to tie into this, and then we'll leave these behind. Uh, it was, and it was an old article, but it was not super old. But it was, but it was <laughs> by some kid who was writing this article about the James Gunn um, Suicide Squad sequel, which we both liked a lot, despite being way too clever and way too full of darkness and violence. Like it's all yeah. the things I'm complaining about here. Um, it has something though. I, I don't know where James Gunn pulls this out, but he always seems to pull it out right when he needs it. He pulls out some kind of soul for the thing. Yeah. And it makes you give a crap at least for a second. Like, you know, even, even for people that you didn't get to know very well, like the, the, that initial team that gets basically obliterated at right. the beginning or the horrible mistake where they they came to a fascist regime and killed all the freedom fighters before they started their mission. That's darkly ironic and comic and just really dark as death of a heart to even write a thing like that. And yet, right. and yet we're provided with this idea that like the movie stops to say what what happened yep and it yep. it makes you have to let it sink in a little bit mm -hmm. on a, at least a little, a little bit, bit yeah. of a blockbuster level and this guy this guy he's just trying to help his fellow friends out that watch these kind of movies and he's like you guys i don't know why you feel so bad for the people who died in this they're all basically super villains and this article went on for paragraph after paragraph to just just guy tying himself into knots because when he watched this and one of these characters that there i think there's a few in that movie but there's one that everybody loves that bites it and you feel awful and he just doesn't want to feel awful when he watches stuff and because he doesn't instead of watching stuff that doesn't make you feel awful he watches stuff that makes you feel awful and refuses to feel awful and then writes a huge rationalization thing which mm -hmm. he just not only uses as a tool in his own soul but shares with the entire world in hopes that they will also choose to feel less when they watch their next film and i just am like what what have we come to 
the Scream movies, you know, they're not, it's not the same, but they're right in the heart of that sort of, this is not, who cares a shit about this? And if you don't yeah. really care, how can you possibly allow yourself to have that much fun? And if it's really fun, I just don't know what, what to that, do with it. Yeah. I just don't know what to do yeah. with it. It's, it's, it's not that they're bad necessarily, although plenty of them are. There's enough of them now that there's plenty of bad ones. It's it's that they just offend my sensibilities, you know. And when something does yeah. that, I get really I get worked up about it. That's when I go out on the warpath against something, you know. And I, and you know, we all have our sensibilities. I can be a sensitive Sally. Joel knows this, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right well in this uh horror genre uh we have uh, uh and the rest here on gilligan's Island. well and the rest you know yeah just, uh, is there any is there any others that you want to talk about in the horror genre no i just always think and the rest yeah. is so funny every time i hear that on a gilligan's island reel i'm like what the hell <laughs> there's yep. only two, two. There's only two more people two. And of Two course, they people. they did correct this later when those characters ended up being as yep. popular as the other ones they thought were important. Yeah, like were, I, was the original plan to kill that kill off the professor <laughs> and Marianne? Was that the original? Were they like going to go dark with Gilligan's Isle? So no, uh, what I what why that's there is just because I think and the rest is so dismissive, and that's just my way correct. of being dismissive to whatever is left over. There is no need to search for more. Those Love that's it. enough examples for you of horror legacy sequels that you can figure it out for yourself. You know, well, let's the move Saw on. has them. Pick any movie yeah. that has 19 movies and they, they all have them. So almost mm -hmm. none of them are good. None of them are welcome, really, to me. So, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, now we're going to move on to the legacy legacy. Uh, and the first movie we're going to talk about, or first movies we're going to talk about, the uh, the the new one has legacy right there in the title, uh, and that of course is Spache Jam, uh, Space Jam, Jordan and LeBron. Say the whole title, Space the, Jam. So we have Space Jam, and then Space Jam: A New Legacy. A new legacy. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I didn't see Space Jam. I did not see Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, but the fun thing about Space Jam is Space Jam isn't very good. I mean, come on, you guys. I don't know why you think mm -hmm. it's cool. It's stupid. It's not. It's fine. It's harmless enough. It's not. It's not the, what the phenomena I was just talking about, which I believe is harmful, which is why I get up on my soapbox every time it comes up. This isn't like that. It's just. This, this sucks. You were stupid when you watched it, and it, it's stupid as you, and it sort of played out, and you got memories of it, or you remember having the lunchbox or whatever. I mean, this is the ultimate sort of why we would just want more money out of this. Bring something back, do it kind of the same, but do it different with different people. Slap Legacy right there in the title. Everybody hates the sequel. Uh, both of them, though, yep. made decent money. And you went, you went to it. I mean, you fell for it. This is the where. This is where no creativity necessary, no, no doing a good job is required here. This is only marketing and budget <laughs> and the outlay versus the return. It's pure. It is what Joel was talking about at the very tip top of the show. It is. This is a purely. This thing exists for purely economic reasons only. 
and no good movies came of it, and they're still bad, and it's still a joke, and the joke, the only, if there's any tragedy, it's that after the Legacy sequel, the I Love Space Jam joke is way less funny. It's just way less funny than when it was just a weird thing that happened at a weird time. Now it's a franchise, and now you have to have a conversation about it, and that's really, really tragic, because just liking it, ironically, was fun. And now it's harder to do that. <laughs> the Legacy sequel makes it tough. So you don't want them to recreate every damn thing from your childhood. Don't listen to the yeah. Gen Xers, man. Don't listen to us. I mean, uh, we, they've been doing that for us for decades now, and it's no longer our turn. I know that's that's can be difficult for us to accept. But but I would just, you know, I, we've been there. It done work ever. I can't think yeah. of us. I can't think of a single time when they remade, brought back a thing that was mediocre to begin with, and somehow it turned into something magical. It doesn't happen. It certainly didn't happen with Spache Jam as my... Spache Jam! Um, starring Leo Spachemin. Um, all right. Uh, so we have... Then we have uh, Coming to America. Let's coming revisit Coming to... Two. Two. America. Dose coming, dose America. I don't have any. I have a story to tell about coming to America, and I'm just not going to tell it. Okay. Because it was one of those things where I was like, this really this explains why coming to America is harmful. Because it pits even good people against one another. All right. Coming to sure. America, coming to America. This is, if you're not watching the v- YouTube, you're really getting let down in this segment, you guys, because coming <laughs> to America and coming to America are not the same movie, obviously. <laughs> one is the legacy sequel that came out much, much later. And one <laughs> is the movie that that people really have fond memories of that, again, I would argue is not a very good movie. Don't come at me about that. It's just, it's funny but it's not like a well-made movie. John Landis movies aren't like good-looking movies. There's a couple, I guess, that that thwart that. But mostly, he just makes schlock and crap. And and the if the crap starts good on paper, you know, then he can get you to the finish line. If it just starts as stupid, or if everyone just stands around and improvs through the whole thing, you want to cut reels and reels of that and keep the funniest moments, then you have, you get coming to America. And coming to America, is, at least it's fun. It really is fun. The premise is funny. It's got lots of funny gags in it, but it's not some good movie that deserves to be propped up or whatever. This is really, you know, this is, again, it's really economic. It's We remember coming to America? Ha ha. Well, here's, it is again. And, and, and remember when my movies made money? Well, I better do one quick that does, you know, but and it's tougher. It's tougher with a few guys, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, comedian actors who break through and achieve some sort of level of stardom and then really do somewhere in there, do some really super good acting when they sort of Mm -hmm. revert back into clown mode. I always found it just completely tragic. And I really that's what I think of the sequel and really any of the debate or discussion about it. It's. It's it's kind of like Space Jam, except coming to America was was beloved in its day. It wasn't ripped on for being bad. It was just another bad 80s movie, but it was a bad 80s movie and a sea of bad 80s movie, and it was one that mm-hmm. rose to the top. 
So, so uh, if you can't, I mean, just have some good ideas in your back pocket or show some evolution in the humor. Humor, comedy, man, of all things, especially more than anything else, it's not evergreen. We look back and grow. I mean, if you don't look back and see the inherent sort of crazy racism in coming to America when you watch the old version, honest to God, it's part of the fun of it now, the stereotypes and stuff. It really is. It's like, yeah. whoa, what were we thinking? I mean, we can have a little bit of fun with that. I really believe that. But you, why are you bringing that back from the debt when, when so many of the things that made it work have really died as acceptable things in our storytelling and largely, maybe not completely, but largely for good reason. So, yeah. you know, it's stuff to think about before you just slap the same title on something with a two in the middle of it. Um, so next up we have the craft colon legacy. The craft is another one. Yep. I mean, I get Here why kids. Yeah. I get why kids like the craft back in the day. You know, the teenage witches and stuff. But it's bad, you guys. Pay attention. The craft is a terrible movie. So the craft, the legacy, it's not going to be good. It crafts a terrible movie that spawned a bunch of terrible straight-to-video sequels that were only mildly more terrible because it just wasn't good in the first place. This is another one where, hey, it was a hit. Hey, this demographic enjo enjoyed it and stand by it. How did you think a good movie was going to come out of that? And yeah, guess what? It didn't. So I don't need to. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, nobody. Spoiler alert. I don't it need to didn't. beat that horse is thoroughly dead here with our first two discussions. I don't need to beat it here with the craft. If you liked the craft, hey, that's cool. You, there's some worse things you could like. If you. If you thought the, that you really wanted a sequel that really got us back to the things that were in the first craft, you know, then you're, and I really shouldn't judge, but you're really overthinking what the craft was, in my opinion. The, the craft-averse. I really shouldn't judge. Um, I mean, I'm. this could have been called, if it wasn't two of us. It could have been just called the overthinker, you know, and you just have to sit here and listen to me. <laughs> rah, 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 about every damn thing. But, uh, craft, uh, I haven't seen the craft legacy, but it has a legacy in the title, mm -hmm. which cracks me up. And it, it can't be good. It just can't be. Mm -hmm. It can't be. And when you know and that then, going into it, why are, ask yourself why you're even there. Because we talked about it with the Transformers movies. You know, when you show up, that is encouraging them. <laughs> That's, that's how you do it. You you show up. Mm -hmm. The only way to make garbage go away is to ignore it. It's the only way. There is no other way. There's no other way. You can't kill it or you make a martyr of it. You know, there's all, we've seen all the cliches throughout the years. Only way to make it go away is to ignore it. That's the only way. That's the only way. <laughs> right. And if you, if right. you can't be bothered to ignore something terrible... God help you. Then get used to more and more of this kind of thing. Yeah, when you have the yeah, when you have that, when you give it oxygen, yeah. it's just going to continue to burn. Yeah. Um, all right, and then finally, Jurassic Pork, the other white meat. We've talked about the Jurassic World legacy sequels. They are truly legacy sequels. Um, legacy sequels of the worst kind. Like only 
just barely getting the superficial thing that the original thing was and ignoring everything else purely for popcorn sales for no other and achieving no other artistic merit whatsoever. Um, just all uh, complete empty vessels of things that you are going to see purely for nostalgic reasons. Um, it's beating you over the head with how bad it is repeatedly. And you just accepting it and you're not seeing one, not seeing two, but seeing three awful legacy sequels that just completely piss on the legacy of the great thing that they're copying or that they're, that they're building their financial accounts off of, um, by the end of the Jurassic world films, the, the filmmakers, the storytellers are literally telling you the opposite thing of the very clear and important lesson of the first film in the first place. They have mm -hmm. so completely lost the plot to, to, to sell stuffed animals and stuff, which we bought <laughs> that it just, it's just it's beyond the pale. It's beyond the pale. I yeah. I don't know what to say. Jurassic Park didn't have very good sequels to begin with. You know, the Steven Spielberg directed The Lost World, but his heart wasn't in it. There, and therefore there yeah. is no heart in it whatsoever. That is really its fall down because it's got some breathtaking sequences in it as you'd expect. Um there's no heart in that thing and it's so it's terrible. The third one is, you know, it's half the budget. It's more accomplished. The heart is back in it, but that's it clings to that because that's kind of almost all it has. Otherwise, it's just a retread. But those films continued the legacy in a in whatever best way they could under the circumstances. Those Jurassic World films are they're unforgivably bad. And it's not that they're that bad because they're not that bad. As I said earlier in the show, Hercules isn't, it's bad, but it's not that bad. How could it be? These totally follow that rule. They, they get you mm -hmm. through two and a half hours of, of monster mayhem. They just so, their eyes is so off the ball. And I just find that so criminal. I really find that criminal. I really <laughs> still works me up to this day, but you never know. Maybe we'll talk about right. those more, but hopefully not. Yeah, prob probably not. Hey, by the end, um, at least by the end, all the critics were like, these are terrible. And all the public discourse out there were like, no, they're all awful. We know that now. Like, I, I get that they got it, but it's still 750 million worldwide or something. It's like, God, come on. Yeah. It, demand better. You got to demand better than that. Right. Boo. Um, let's talk about the Tron legacy misunderstanding legacy. Well, because Tron legacy was really not liked very much when it came out too. And you just, you guys, this is where I'll, this is where I'm going to go out on a limb. It's really, really, really good. It's really corny. It's like good in the same way. Um, the matrix movies are good. The original matrix films, which also people don't like the matrix sequels either for some weird reason. Um, it's disguised. It's it's a really thoughtful essay on artificial intelligence, on the lack of understanding, lack of empathy between entities, and how that brings us to the brink of extinction. Like there's all and, and interpersonal stuff. There's all this great stuff going on in that film, but it is disguised under this cheesy 
one-liner, you know, uh, action that isn't, Mm -hmm. that doesn't have that fun animated quality that the original Tron has. And of course, the real misunderstanding with Tron was on behalf of the executives. They sold all those video games. They saw their posters show up in all the bedrooms of all those uh, heroes of all those TV shows. And they just got themselves thinking that Tron, the, the huge expensive tentpole film of summer 1982 that got trampled by by the better tentpole film et of the summer was universally beloved and that a tron sequel would get them out to the to the and this is the crime of most and it's tragic because it's the crime of most good legacy sequels is that they they really think there's more of an audience for the thing than than there turns out to be in the end and and that leads to this fog of disappointment hanging over them that the art itself doesn't really made Tron legacy was made by this exact same people who made, um, Top Gun Maverick, which everyone adores. And it, it it's made in just as thoughtful, interesting and reinventing uh, of a way as that. And it's not perfect by any means, you know, Garrett Hedlund's kind of boring in it. There's some things that are a little, Uh, that aren't great, but boy, is it really, really good. The more you think of it. And I just think that's Mm -hmm. the sign of a really, really good movie. And visually, yeah, it's different. It's a, it's a modern take on that world, but it's amazing visually, I think too. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's Um, one, that's one where if you thought you kind of liked it, but let people convince you that you didn't, it's certainly worth revisiting. Um, if you just didn't like it, Hey, it's a free country. That's cool. Don't go back and watch it again. It's, it is still kind of the same, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Right. But Tron, the Tron, oh. I, I really think just wrapped up in utter mass misunderstanding amongst us all, essentially. Yep. I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the original Tron movie as a kid, um, but I really enjoyed Tron Legacy. Wow. Uh, well, like, that's, that's one you really don't hear as part of the yeah. discourse. So here's Joel yeah. bringing a, the opposite thing in. Yeah, because I, I I was just like, oh no, this is kind of because well here's because I I didn't I didn't love the movie, but I I got what the movie was doing, and I got why Tron is an important film from a technological standpoint, and and what they were trying to do, and cre- that the idea of creating uh, a sentient world inside, um, you know that that's that's in a digital in a machine. Uh, universe i guess for that well, and, you, and the greatest thing about tron and then we'll move on because we're halfway through and we got to talk about a bunch of stuff um tron when you go back and watch the big computer movies of the 80s they're all terrible and they all fundamentally don't understand computers there's two exceptions one of which we did a show about war games mm-hmm. uh, its legacy sequel is sneakers not really a sequel but very much in the same world of the same story amongst the same people after they've grown up a little bit and after the technology has grown up a little bit. Um, War Games is outstanding and everything in it is completely authentic. Right. Um, And the other one is Tron. Tron's relationship with how actual computing works while crazy oversimplified for a Disney audience is on point. And as we interact with things now, it, you can see how sort of prescient that it was. And that's, that's, a, that's a neat thing. I mean, that really helps it hold up, I think. And 
it's it's beautiful too. There's nothing like it. I mean, visually, there's nothing like it. It's really is unique. The mix, the mix of animation techniques and live action and stuff for that time is unprecedented mm-hmm. and cool. And just the kind of thing, just the kind of thing that should have gotten Disney, who really needed one, a big hit in '82. I really think they did everything they could. The movie's there. It, the audience just would rather see E.T. for a third time. You know, I don't know how many times I saw E.T. <laughs> Rashida Jones says she must have saw it like because they had a copy of it. You know what I mean? Must have saw it like forty times or something. <laughs> Just that yeah. summer, and I was like, yeah. I mean, I get it. That was that was the that was the world at that time. We sort of forget that. We watch ET now and we kind of see it for what it is. It's great still, but it's it's uh you know would yeah. would you want an ET legacy sequel? <laughs> Let me answer that for you. No, you do not want an oh, E.T. You, legacy sequel. Everyone I in E.T., a... other than the Big Brother, is still in movies and still awesome. But you just don't want that. I swear to God, you don't want it. Please, Hollywood, nobody wants this. Please protect E.T.'s purity yeah. and leave it. And they, the you know, it, even when people say they want it, they don't actually want it. They just want to feel like they're, they want to feel that feeling of when they saw E.T. for the first time. And they're attached to the they, fantasy of that the, yeah. that, that the legacy sequel will do that for them. But like I said, Tron didn't do it. it. That It's one of the good ones and it didn't do it. And we'll talk about the good ones when we wrap up because we saved the best for last, like I always do. Not always. Sometimes I throw a little wrench in there and Joel doesn't know what the hell's going on for a couple minutes. It's kind of fun. But this, yeah. I am a creature of habit. Usually I save the best for last. They're coming. But Tron's a good one. Tron's a good one. It's a good one to check out. It 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 really does stay true while expanding on the ideas and on the scale and on everything you would want out of the thing. It's 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 a good movie that did the best it could and it's hard to imagine, and this is—I guess this is how you really rate legacy sequels if they're successful or not. Is it's really, really hard to imagine a better Tron legacy sequel. Even the people who hated it have a tough time standing around talking about the better movie they would have made because it's—it's it's really tough to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Next up, we have. Legacy in space. We like putting stuff out in space on the movie show. Children we Rays. do indeed. It's a fun, fun, fun subcategory for us. Uh, and first up is J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. No. No. Oh, here we go. Star well, Trek. No. No. <laughs> no. Because not really legacy sequels, right? I mean it's kind of are they have the feel and the look and the sort of re-engineered let's do the story again feeling to them definitely um they definitely coast right off into hollywood like executive bliss where they have absolutely nothing to do with the original films and are just just their own big dumb blockbuster things but there was effort and time given, and this is why they're going to. This is why they're going to survive the legacy sequel guillotine, uh, it, right from the get-go into making these a part of the universe, whilst making them completely independent of each other. And it's actually the masterstroke of the series. There is, they, it's a great technique they use that is never repeated uh, as well on that level again <laughs> of the film. And the other reason. 
because that Facebook rant all those years ago by whose name I can't remember. I'll repeat it here. I've said it before. It's the greatest. It's the second greatest thing I've ever read. No offense. <laughs> rest in peace. The, se- the greatest thing I've ever read on Facebook was by my comedian friend, CC. She wrote, um, Oh my God. OMG y'all. Crack is whack. Whitney Houston crack whore. That's the greatest single Facebook post. I've ever seen. That's of course when Whitney was alive and before we were making documentaries, right. what awesome she was uh, when she was just on a t- awful reality show with Bobby Brown. That was literally like watching two people kill each other with meanness. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, you don't see that show yeah. anymore again, because we're trying in her death, we're trying to rehabilitate her and her art deserves to be rehabilitated. So I'm, I'm all for that, but that post, man, that just, CC, you nailed it, girl. That is that is correct. Crack is whack, and the proof is Whitney Houston crack horror. <laughs> it's really yeah. tough to watch. <laughs> um, so that was the best, but the second best because I really, while I disagree with pretty much everything this person wrote, I really get that angry, desperate feeling. I know that place where that comes from. Was all directors lie? All directors. Lie! They all lie. J.J. <laughs> Abrams said that Benedict Cucumber Patch wasn't Genghis Khan, and he was. He lied. <laughs> and it's true, you can't trust directors, and you certainly can't trust J.J. Abrams. He's the least yeah, trustworthy yeah. of all the modern storytellers. But Benedict <laughs> Cucumber Patch was not Genghis Khan. Oh. And J.J. Abrahams's. Star Trek, and it's so awesome mm-hmm. that in your rage, you got everything wrong, and yet the rage still feels so right, Joel. I don't know how to explain right. it. Right. It's so good. So, uh, Star Trek so, still count. They're off the hook. They get a pass. I don't know what sound effect we have uh, for that, but go in peace. Uh, they're not good, exactly, but they're not... They're not legacy sequels, uh, and if they were, they're not tragically bad ones. That's not uh, that's not the sound. I that's was good enough for the Kelvin timeline. Okay. We're done with that. What's next? Okay. Oh, J.J. Uh, Abrams, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yes, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, those are legacy sequels. I mean, I, we've lived with them for a while now. We were. I think we were fairly charitable to them in the in the in their first go around here on the show, and I feel good that we were because I really I don't think they're crimes against humanity or anything, and I don't even think they're really crimes against Star Wars. Um, but but when you can look at the prequels, which are hackneyed and corny, and just see more integrity. Because you really do. There's more integrity to them. They really are trying to tell you something. They are not trying to help you relive something. And I really do believe that's the that's where the disconnect is. It's that's another where where I talk for minutes and minutes, and Joel just hits the nail on the head. There, the Star Wars sequels want you to relive Star Wars without. And and in the couple of moments where they were brave enough to do their own thing, they were lambasted and punished financially in a way that actually mm-hmm. really affected future creative decisions at this massive studio 
So the, I mean, if the nerds ever won, I think the the only real nerd victory out there was the Fantastic Four uh, reboot getting smashed, and even that was like, why? Just did you even wait yeah. to see it? Chill out. It's not great, but it's not worth all this terrible energy. Um, Star Wars, though, unfortunately, it's a different beast altogether. It's a massive mm-hmm. part, a multi generational, um huge storytelling juggernaut and when you think of those sequels even though they were diverting the first time through and jj abrams films with one exception with only one exception all suffer from this which is they're all really fun the first time through and you don't know what the hell's happening which is why he's so secretive and tricky with you and they all hold up less and less with repeated viewings every single one of them all of them and that's that's so sad because what's great about the Star Wars movies is they hold up. And the reason they hold up is because they're there's it's not just rabbit to babbit to babbit to babbit to babbledy blood, although it's a lot of that. There's something key and the prequels with all the bad acting and terrible dialogue still it still has this there where there's something in the storytelling that worships storytelling that has these these archetypes that we hang on to and that we read into ourselves into this the sequels man they don't do that and they are legacy sequels truly because they really are let's join everybody way way later some people come out fairly unscathed in them uh harrison ford does billy d yeah not as good but 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 billy d wasn't as good it wasn't as massive a. responsibility mm-hmm. to make it but pretty good i would say even chewbacca mm-hmm. actually pretty good pretty good if we're gonna yeah if we're gonna chewbacca, talk yeah. about all of them right um but man let's just again like the like the kid right in the the suicide squad this these guys just sat around ch- chasing their tails desperately trying to do all the same things that things we've already seen before right and it's just it, the second time through when you don't feel it as much it loses everything, and it's it's just so it's it's not criminal or anything. They did the best they could. I really believe that in my heart, so I'm not mad at them. I just I just think they're I think they're pretty bad actually, and it makes me sad these few years later to kind of come to that realization and to wake up to that. They're not Jar Jar Binks bad, where we can easily hang somebody on the dartboard and just punish them relentlessly for a decade. Right. It, the badness is spread throughout, and it's and it's kind of a little like Tron. It's a misunderstanding in what that original material was. It's, it wasn't that it took place on the desert. That had nothing to do with it. That just was what it was. That, that's not why we were identifying with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you just go through each plot point of those things and you just come across that again and again and again. Yeah, okay, here we are in the cantina again. Here we are here, here we are there. Here we are with these guys. Here we are with those guys. Um it just you got to do more than that. You got you really have to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right, let's move on to uh wh- what I have a feeling you're going to have a a bit to say about and that's uh Willow and the Great Disney Plus Purge. Well, Willow's Willow's not even an uh, hadn't even been out for a year yet and it's already gone. It just flat out yeah. doesn't exist unless you want to go torrent it or something <laughs> illegally. You can't watch it. And that to me is absolute insanity. I mean, that's just 
That's, I don't know what that is. That's like going out in the Middle Ages with a piece of parchment and a big metal stake and just pounding a list of failures into your front door. That's essentially what Disney Plus did with The Purge. And there's nothing I'm really into in The Purge. And I gotta say, I'm not super into the Willow Legacy sequel either at all. And uh, real quick, substantively, why don't I like it? Because it because Willow is no heavy, serious thing. It's not Lord of the Rings, you know. It it isn't, and it it should shouldn't be treated like it is. Um, it's just fun. But the but the reason it was number two, Joel, on our best mm-hmm. fantasy films of the '80s. It's because it's just huge production values and, uh, uh, dare I say, a Star Wars-like experience in a fantasy setting. It, you relived some of those same emotions and archetypes, but with all new characters and in a different sort of thing. And it did, it, it's, in fairness, it threw a couple of surprises at us. Um, that's not great. I mean, but that's pretty good that's really really good in fact for 88 at the end of all those fantasy films to have one come out that wasn't the worst one that was one of the best is impressive and it took lucasfilm and imagine entertainment and it took this whole army of people to make that happen that willow guys it's almost like a and i the last thing i want to be is one of these guys sitting here going it's, it's woke or it's this or it's that i mean it, it but it's hard not to understand those types of asinine complaints when you watch it. It, it. It's not that it's about young people. It's about five young people. And when you get three of them in a room, all you have is a love triangle. That's all you have. Five. And it's all about identity issues. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's not 90210, but... What's the crappy ones that came later? Ocean something. And... Um. Yeah, like in the uh, the heights. Yeah, um, yeah, those things. I mean, it really is uh, and, uh, way too much like those. It's, one Tree Hill. It's, and, it's weighted yeah. down by those sorts of bickery teenage relationships because it just decided to have all but two of its main characters be teenagers. And I think that's crazy. And I guess if you're going to do that, then this is how it turns out. And then you do it. And in that respect, it's not terrible. I found it watchable and, and fun. But but it, it is, it's neither thing. It's neither Willow nor is it enough, something cool that's new. And Disney, hearing those criticisms and believing them, you know, it nixed any idea that it would continue and absolutely slammed the door shut on its existence by wiping it off the face of the earth. And Disney's not alone. All the streaming services have done this. I, I, uh, unlike what Joel was probably thinking, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm just going to show you this as Exhibit A. Willow has no life. The prequel series is not even a year old, and it has no active mm-hmm. life or any sort of way that you can watch it without actually breaking some some minor laws. And that's that's not supposed to be how the bright new future was supposed to work. They 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 lied. Yeah, we, we were told we were gonna services get it. lie, Joel. They lie. Yeah, they lie. That we were told that that Disney Plus wasn't Genghis Khan. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, we were told we were gonna get uh, 
everything warts and all like there was you know like oh hey we this will be a place where li- literally everything can live even the stuff that maybe yeah. st- where you go to people, and now yeah. and now they're cutting huge expensive shows after less than a year um they're just tucking mm-hmm. their tail just out of just to save on bandwidth it's criminal yep. it's shameful yep. it's shameful but it's mm-hmm. corporate and Anyone who expected anything different, it was not paying attention to America for the last 200 years. So sorry. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Let's move. Let's on move to some uh, sequels that uh, legacy sequels that missed it by that much. And first up is Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, maybe a little more than that much in that case. Yeah. Um, but. Here, I'm going to start trying to defend some things here. This is where this begins. Uh, Tron Legacy aside, which I thought we needed to stick with the legacy, legacies, legacies. Um, the Matrix Resurrection. Let's not get into what it is. Maybe we'll discuss <laughs> it someday in the future. It is a legacy sequel. It is Let's Do This Again. The thing that's neat about it is it resolves in a way that the prequels or that the se- the actual Matrix sequels did not. The love story between Neo and... Um, what's her name? Trinity. Trinity, thanks. Mm-hmm. In our very first... It's great. You'll never get to listen to it probably while I live, but in our very first... Let's just sit down on the couch, man, and do a show episode 0.0 <laughs> yep where we talk about a bunch of stuff fun things but one thing that comes up is the matrix films and and uh joel's like you know what i one of the things i hate about the matrix movies is like no nah, what's that he's like it's like it's like trinity's like you know oh blah 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 he's like what the oracle tell you he's like oh i'm gonna you know save the universe or whatever what did the oracle tell you oh i'm i'm here to service the one is what Joel mm-hmm. said. I'm, you know, she's basically been th- pushed into the lion, and, and she genuinely falls in love with them. Okay, I mean, I don't get me wrong, but she's been given this, p- p- had this romantic seed planted in her head of this undying perfect love, and yeah. we're left to question truly. Okay, it's not that I don't question their love, but is this? Was this love a self fulfilling prophecy? Was this, you know, what there's a the common, motive? yep, there's a common trend, and but that's, I, I believe the movie's aware of that. I really don't think. I think it's. I really do think the Wyckoffskis are both aware of the trope and know that they're pl- seeing it playing out in their own movie. Maybe they're not, right. but I really think they are, and I think that gives us time to ask these questions, and it becomes an interesting question instead of a deadly criticism. In in that case, yeah, but it is. It, you should question that. There's no question about it. And Matrix Resurrection's the one thing, and it's really only one thing, because everything else is is fine, good enough to, like I say, pass the time. That's about the that's about the threshold it gets through. It's not embarrassingly terrible or anything. It's just very, very disappointing, even compared to the disappointing sequels. The one thing it gets right is it absolutely takes on that idea and it resolves that relationship. The movie is kind of all about that. And that was a 
that's a thing left over from the original story that was worth exploring further, I think. Um, there are a lot of things I would change about it otherwise, but it 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 really does do that in a way that I appreciate. And so it deserves to be, it not if not exonerated, it deserves to be, you know, paroled on good behavior, I think, at this point. So that's what I'll say about Matrix Resurrections. Um, yeah, and then um, let's go back to the Disneyverse and uh, look at Mary Poppins Returns. Mary, Mary Poppins regenerates like a Time Lord. <laughs> um, Mary Poppins Returns. Let's just start with it in a vacuum. It's really okay. with legacy sequels. It's impossible to do, and it's why these are really a tough. Mary Poppins Returns in a vacuum is a pretty nifty, you know, Disney holiday release. It's got some neat songs in it. It it looks nice. It's got some good actors giving superficial but still semi-decent performances in it you know boom that's mm -hmm. that doesn't sound too bad right it's not um what is it missing because i'm telling you i don't care who you are even if you love mary poppins returns and especially if you love mary poppins like a lot which a lot of people do what is it missing? I ask you because I know you know I know you know deep down it's missing something what is it it's hard to put your finger on. It really is hard. Um, but let's go back to Walt Disney possibly being Genghis Khan for a second. <laughs> yep. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to all those rumors about Walt Disney and how crazy he was and how he was fascist and how he's all these crazy things. Those are really, I'm sorry, but they're really, really fun. And the more distasteful they are, the funner they are. So they're really ugly jokes. I'm not going to repeat the worst of them here, I promise. But they're, it's funny because it's like, isn't it funny to think that, you know, it's like when the South Park, when they're panning through hell and one of the people suffering yep. on the gallows is Michael Landon. <laughs> yeah. It's like if anybody in the history of entertainment got to get into heaven yeah. free pass, surely it was Michael Landon. So to see him burning in hell and have no other comment made about it is funny. It's super funny. Like hats off to those guys. They are funny. And the more distasteful they are, sort of the more funny they are. And that's always been true at Walt Disney. So, okay, I won't go any further down that road. But the point is – um, Whatever it comes from, a bright, happy, perfect place of harmony and, and wonder, or some dark, awful place, or likely, like all of us to some degree, puts a little bit of both mixed in this guy. Um, it, he took that story and he ruined it. He basically completely ruined the novel. Like, if you were fans of the book at the time, there's no way you could have liked Mary Poppins because it's like what mm -hmm. we've been talking about. It sort of misses the point of the whole thing. There's a whole movie made about that, which is actually a better legacy sequel probably to Mary Poppins in some ways <laughs> right. than the Mary Poppins sequel is, or, or legacy sequel is itself. That song, that movie's called, what, Mr. Something? Saving Mr. Banks. That's not a great movie either for lots of unfortunate reasons, but it's pretty good. That's one's worth checking out if you're a Mary Poppins. Yeah, I liked I, I liked it okay. Yeah. It's not half bad. And the and the Walt Disney author sequences are the ones that really work. It's the flashbacks that are tough to, to swallow. Mm -hmm. Um that is uh directed by um John Lee. 
Hancock. Mm. And it's got a lot of John Lee Hancock uh, sort of isms in it that bring it down. It bring it down, baby. Um, but it's still good. The the but what, well, I guess what I'm getting at was was in a dictatorial sort of way. Walt forced Mary Poppins from its source material into being really, uh, at least from a live action standpoint, sort of the most perfect Disney movie that there is. It, it, it is, it just is this thing that comes from, if, if not from his true heart, I don't know what you guys think or what your conspiracy theories are, but it comes from that unending ambition that he had in his lifetime to tell that kind of story in that kind of way. And it does still, in spite of that, and in spite of the compromises in it, 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 it does it in a way where the point of it still does kind of come across, which is really, really neat, which speaks well of good storytelling from the get-go, I think. And the legacy sequel... Disagree with me if you'd like. It's a pretty good movie. It doesn't have that. It's missing that. It's missing the... Uh, once I once they sent me... Joel was the beneficiary of this. Once Disney Movie Club sent me a Blu-ray of The Black Hole that didn't have the overture on it. And of course, all us geeks just freaked out. And some clever dude put it in a computer and started de-authoring the disc. And, de and he's like, you know, it's actually here. It just doesn't play because it, it's like on an optional menu... And there's nothing in the menu that says play with overture, so it can't be played. But they put it on the disc. So, hey, gang, it might be worth writing Disney. I mean, normally this is a lost cause, but it might be worth writing them and saying, hey, guys, you clearly intended this to be here. All you really need to do is author future discs with the play with overture, and you just link it and stuff. But, of course, you, if you've ever gotten a Disney customer service person on the phone, <laughs> man... Mm -hmm. They are living in a whole different reality than the rest of us. They're living in a much happier place. But the thing that they said to me was, we are so sorry that some of the magic was left out of your recent order. That's how, that's how they start everything. Like, you you mm -hmm. miss the magic. And the Mary Poppins Returns has everything but the magic. <laughs> that's my sort of statement on that. It, mm -hmm. it, it does everything right and misses the magic. How does it do that? It's almost unfair to criticize it for it. So that's why it's in this sort of happy place on our show. It's good. I mean, good job. Hard to imagine a better Mary Poppins sequel, right? But it's just right. definitely missing something. And it, and it doesn't seem to be something you could pick from a list of menu items of stuff that they could have done. It's missing something inexplicable. And that's such a bummer because it's just almost there. It's really almost there. Uh, what about, uh, let's talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Well, we already talked about that not too many yeah. episodes ago. That was because I came to it really late because of where it fell on the release calendar. That Halloween era is always kind of tricky for when I'm going to watch stuff. It's usually a whole year later, which in this case it was. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember back in the year in review, whatever the hell, Sequels, prequels, requels. Now we have to add to it remakes and reboots. Um, that version, which was one of the final ones we did. I like Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I still like it a lot. But it's funny. It's worth mentioning here because I like it for all the things that have nothing to do with being a legacy sequel. 
all the stuff that's good in it is the time we spend with people we don't already know. Mm -hmm. Um, solving a mystery that is connected to definitely the, uh, the original story, I think in a clever way so that there's some neat stuff going on there, some neat Easter eggs and stuff, but it's really just, you, you made one of these sort of BMX bike neighborhood kids go on adventure stories, a good one. You made a good one. So what's bad about it? Well, the, the legacy part is terrible. Um, CG Harold Ramis is terrible. I'm sorry, but it, terrible yeah um it's terrible don't do that anymore please um it when all our old heroes show up there's one good scene in the middle of it where they call uh uh ray's um dan Aykroyd char character's old bookstore and start asking him a bunch of questions and he gives them a bunch mm -hmm. of super complicated answers that scene is fantastic um the ghostbusters showing up in full regalia at the end to help the kids fight the it's terrible and the, all the sweet, weepy, huggy <laughs> crap that comes after that goes on for another 15 minutes is objectively awful. And this film was written by a fairly clever guy. Uh, mm -hmm. And obviously, lazy-ass Paul Rudd waltzing through something with nothing but charisma and just no, not a care in the world for actual storytelling is always bad, and it's just as bad in this as it is in anything. In fact, this is an emblematic of why it sucks. Or if he sucks, which he doesn't, why he would. We'll just say that. I'll try and be a little diplomatic with Paul, because I, I, like, I don't like him like the rest of you guys, but I, you do want to like him. You really do. I mean, that is a, th there you go. Here's a guy... <laughs> Here's a guy who, unlike Mary Poppins Returns, has something that is only inexplicable. There doesn't seem to be any evidence <laughs> of anything else happening there. That sure. doesn't make me that doesn't make me mad. That more frustrates me because I cannot wrap my brain around what that is <laughs> from an analysis standpoint. Uh, and so that's why right. it keeps coming up on the show. Anyway. Right. But that it's not just him. Because that movie makes Carrie Coon, who is awesome in every way that Paul Rudd isn't, look equally sort of lost in the weeds. Why is that? I'm not exactly sure. But hey, for an hour and 30 minutes in a pretty long legacy sequel, you're, you're riveted by what's happening in this town, what these kids are discovering, uh, what they're discovering about each other, the friendships, their loyalty, their bravery in the face of true danger. All that stuff is happening in and amongst slime and uh, bright pink laser beams and all that stuff that makes it feel like a Ghostbusters movie. So it's pretty great, and yet it's it, the stuff that's bad about it is really super, super bad. So I don't um, know. So there you go. Yeah. It's but it's I'm still gonna. It has, I'm gonna it until has I change things. my mind. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna stay in that one's corner. I think it's pretty good. Sure, sure, sure. Um, all right, next category. Let's label everything. Or why millennials are wrong about what is and is not a legacy sequel. Sorry, millennials. And, uh, I only put millennials in there to get more clicks. That's truly that's the only reason. <laughs> I'll make sure I hashtag it in the all in the of humanity is guilty of this, not just millennials. But I just <laughs> I find that if we put that in there, the millennials go crazy and they just flock to you and they come to your what millennial controversy is mm -hmm. happening now. So. Sorry, Gen Z, we've tried it with you. It doesn't work as well with you. It only <laughs> seems to work with the millennials for some reason. I may, Perhaps it is in the name. I don't know. 
Uh, because you, Gen <laughs> Z, you get this just as wrong, if not more wrong than they do, but you don't get the right. clicks. It's like you don't fall uh, for it. I don't know what yeah. it is. We won't get into that any more than we I've are. seen your trickery before, <laughs> Gen X. Exactly. I'm sure it's something like that. That's fair. <laughs> so it's millennials. Um, I just that's. I just thought it was a funny uh, double, what do you call that? Those double titles from the Victorian era? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember the, the Lifetime way. original movie titles. Yeah. Um, and we're going to start talking with, uh, with the live action Disney remakes. Yeah, those aren't legacy sequels. They're live action remakes. Um, they, although they're worth bringing, so why, they're not, I'm not just bringing them up to correct you. Uh, mm -hmm. They're, what they're worth bringing up here because uh, they contain none of the benefits of being a legacy sequel and suffer all of the pitfalls of being one. They, if they're good at all, it's amazing because they're really difficult things to pull off. And of course, some of them are awful, which is shocking because you shouldn't be able to make like Lion King awful or Cinderella awful. And you just kind of found a way to do it, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And the ones that really do work are the ones that, you know, this is their fifth time showing up. Like, like I think without the Broadway version of Beauty and the Beast, the Beauty and the Beast live action movie is not nearly as good as it is. Like, it, if they've adapted it a bunch of times and it's sort of gone through the ringer and now it's come out in a way mm -hmm. that it's been tested, you know what I mean, the, the, as a live action thing. So that film, I don't love it, but it, it works pretty good. Hard to imagine a better live Beauty and the Beast, by the way. Yeah. And Beauty and the Beast is perfect. So we got Little Mermaid is out now. Yes, came out mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, people are, same thing, people are up in arms about it, or are they really, really liking it? And those people are all kind of at each other's throats over it. And of course, that's a film that started out in a really ugly, awful, racist place anyway. Right. Um, which is super too bad. So I'm rooting for it like I did the others, but some of these, the Aladdin, like some of that was cool. Some of it was crazy weird. Yep. It's, it's, it's just hard to get on board with any of these because this task is designed to make money regardless of the quality of the film. And it, it's working, but are there are any of them really, really good? Uh, yes. Jungle Book is really, really good. So far, that's it. The rest of them, none of them, I don't think, are embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I got through Aladdin and enjoyed it okay. But it, yeah. uh, what is, why are they doing this? It's, why is this happening? Why do you even right. want this? This is a place where it's just a great place to start asking some of these questions. If you don't want to do it, you just want to let life happen. I get it. That's the life we're living in. I, the world we're in, we deserve to just escape for just for a little while i get it i really do get that yeah. a lot and i i may escape to different places but i i do the exact same thing joel does the exact same thing joel watches ridiculously positive stuff in his free time he just gravitates to it like a magnet because please let me have some of that in my life in this long day and this long tough fight that we're in I just want to feel good for a while. I get it. And these yeah. these really do sort of, whereas me, I don't need to feel good. I just want to feel stuff. <laughs> so just whatever, throw it all at me. I don't care. I just don't right. want to be numb anymore. 
Um, <laughs> that was weirdly enough. That was the alternative title to this podcast. Uh, we were going to call it. I just don't want to be numb anymore with Joel and Ryan. <laughs> oh, we're running out of time for B segment, but the best of the the things that are B-segment coming, we're going to yep. fly through because these all have a shot at getting a deep dive of their yeah. own. We've already promised a couple of them. So all I'm saying is you ask yourself, why, 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 why are we doing mm-hmm. these? Why Maleficent? Why, you know, Maleficent, to be fair, I yeah. tried to do something why different. Why Mulan? Yeah, Mulsi, why, why Mulan? I mean, that's just a huge discussion of its own. I, yep. I'll give Mulan a little credit. As boring and staid and sort of stolid as it is, and how super unfun it is, I mm-hmm. get why they did it that way. Yeah. And that that does give me some comfort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But why are, why are we doing this, and why are we letting them have it this way? this repackaging in a mediocre way that isn't anywhere near as good as any of the originals. Why are we not going back to the originals? Like we always have maybe at the end of this cycle we're in, we'll, we'll prove that we are and that that is what we actually do. We'll see. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up is uh, Jason Bourne and not the Bourne legacy. Not the Bourne legacy. Yeah, because strangely, yeah. the Bourne movie with the legacy Leg- in the title legacy. is the continuous continuation of the story without right. old Jason in it. They asked Jason Bourne, I believe they were doing a, a like press junket for The Green Zone, which is a really, really good movie by the people who brought you the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, Matt Damon, and the director's name, slipping my mind. Why do they always Oh, give me a mo. Greengrass. Yeah. Um, Doug Lyman, to be fair, directed the first uh, Bourne movie, but Greengrass and Damon are pretty much the holders of the copyright at this point. So what am I saying here? Let's just get to the point. Bourne Legacy, which everyone hated because it didn't have Jason Bourne in it and it wasn't the same thing all over again, is fantastic. That movie is really, really good. Renner is really, really good in it, but the thing that makes that movie great is Rachel Weisz's character, who has nothing to do with any of this and gets complete, or does, but doesn't, and gets completely caught up in this story. That human element has been less and less. It's been more and more missing since we turned away from Franca Potent's character from the first film. And here it is again, and it makes the whole thing come back to life in a glorious way. That is a fantastic sequel that does something different with the same material. It's by it's not by the same mm-hmm. filmmakers, but it's by the same writer. It's by Tony Gilroy. Um, when the third Born and most favored Born came out, they, Greengrass and Matt Damon were, again, doing the press junk, and they were ripping on Gilroy's script for that film, saying they didn't even understand what was going on anymore you could tell that they wanted to be free of him and his deep dark twisted conspiracies and stuff um and they didn't want to do anymore and when asked matt damon when asked you know are you going to do another jason Bourne movie he goes he goes yeah we could call it the Bourne redundancy and Greengrass got a huge chuckle out of that and that's actually a great one line that's You've, yeah. had an, you've had enough of this. Don't you want something different? Well, the franchise got together. They wanted to keep the name going. They wanted to resell you the same stuff and actually made a good movie. And then when that, that, and that made money, but it wasn't as big as the other ones. When everybody was down on their luck and needed a big hit, green grass, so they'd let him keep making all these other dark, sad films that he wants to make. 
And Damon, who hadn't had a hit for a while, decided to do another Bourne movie. And what is it? It's like the worst legacy sequel out there. It's everything the same again with diminishing returns at every single turn. The lady in his life gets sacrificed again, spoiler alert for Jason Bourne, at the beginning so that he has something to be mad about. It just boom, 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 right down the line. In absolutely 100%, he used the correct term, redundant fashion. That film has no life to it. And the idea that they gave you back the same thing again, again, and again, and again, and that you thought that was the return to form, you just need to watch more movies, seriously. Because that it, it was anything but that. It was the fourth final nail in the coffin of the franchise in terms of the quality of storytelling. And the thing that is missing from the production team is, what is it? It's the writer, Tony Gilroy, who everybody loves now because of Andor and because right. of, you know, but uh, yeah, the Gilroy brothers, anything their name is on is worth watching. And the Bourne sequel, certainly it applies to them. But, uh, you know, Tony directed the Bourne legacy and he really, you could feel what came from him. And then when you watch James, Jason Bourne, in a way, you can feel what came from the other guys and you can really feel the divide between the two. And the thing that was good about these from the get go the thing that, that really was keeping them together, not surprising, Joel. I mean, it's never surprising mm -hmm. to me was the writing. Without the writing, you're just flopping around out there, reliving stuff. And that's. That's a pit. That's a major pitfall of a legacy sequel. It's you. You're right. coming. You're probably not the same guy who wrote it. That's writing it sometimes, but usually not. And you know, Jason Reitman, uh, Ivan Reitman's kid, is is writing this worshipful love letter to Ghostbusters. And when he's doing that unabashedly, his movie's kind of awful. It's weird. When he's not, and he's making it his own thing, it's kind of awesome. So, you know, it just shows you. Same with Jason Bourne. Terrible legacy sequel. Don't make any more of those. You shouldn't have made that one. Just give it right. up. Or you want to reboot the thing? Give it a few years and give some kid the chance. That will suck too, probably. But that's the only place to go with this, is to restart it and to, to reevaluate some yeah. of the same themes. If you just keep telling the same movie over and over again with the same people, and they show absolutely, absolutely zero personal growth from film to film, it's it becomes fr the more you do, the more frustrating it becomes, and the more redundant it feels. The more redundancy. Right. That's what that movie should be called, truly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alicia Vikander's uh, um, in that one yeah. too. What are you doing in there? What are you doing in that stupid yep. movie? Well, I mean, yeah, I get it, but it, why? I mean, it's, it's terrible. And she um, even tell she was like somebody asked her some interviewer. I was like, God bless this interviewer. He's like, when she was doing the Lighthouse movie, I can't remember what that's called now with Michael Fassbender. Um, she, they asked her, and she was like, Oh, well, I just really liked the Bourne movies and really wanted to be in this movie with these guys. Well, that that's that's the wrong reason to say yes to something. I mean, I want to do a movie with this filmmaker and I'm just going to trust him. That's not necessarily the wrong reason. But mm -hmm. a franchise, I mean, I just want to be part of this. Like, that's that's the way people have tripped into some of the worst performances of their careers, honestly, is just a saying yes before seeing if there's anything there to actually do that's good. Sure. So, yeah. uh, what about Bad Boys for Life? 
terrible. I mean, and not even really a legacy sequel because the Bad Boys sequels had been had been laid out a little bit. It did come quite a bit later after Bad Boys Two, but this one's here because it's a, it's considered a legacy sequel. It has the number uh, four in it, even though it's the third movie. Weird, and it uh, Will Smith as part of his actorly doctrine is I don't do sequels, but for some reason he did do them for the Bad Boys movies. And I think when his career is over, we're going to be looking at those and asking ourselves, why? Why'd you keep doing those? I mean, hmm. first movie's not bad. It, it's all right. It's a Michael Bay movie. I mean, what do you want? But it's one of the better Michael Bay movies, I, I think. Uh, second movie's super Michael Bay-ish and really loses what the first one was, the fun of it, for just bigger scale action and everything that a film like that doesn't need. And the third one... The, the is just darker and meaner and uglier because they don't have the budget for the giant action anymore and yet they have a lot plenty of jokes but now it's hung on this drug lord story with all this terrible huge body count and awful drug murders and stuff <laughs> right so you made them and you made each of them like demonstrably less fun than the first one too and that's that's bad it's bad, and, mm-hmm. it, and it, but it is on that line. You could argue with me that one's not a legacy sequel. It's not that much later than the second one, but but right. if you look at them on a timeline, you'll see it's well, quite yeah, a bit and later the, than. And the way, I mean, the way it was presented to us feels like it has. Yes, technically, it hasn't been that long, but the whole point of it was y'all ain't gonna believe what um, you know what these guys these guys are still at it. Come on, you know, you know, and it's, you know, it, it, it was sort of presented to us as an audience as as, um, you know, especially Will Smith's character. This guy still is at it and, you know, and yeah, and hilarity and action ensue. Um, well, one thing I'll say nice about the Bad Boys movie, but it would have been enough just to say this about Bad Boys is, is Martin Lawrence as the straight man is really, really fun. Martin Lawrence as a straight man is really fun. I just said it mm-hmm. again. I don't know if it helped the second time. Or, well, but, if you say it a third time, if you say it a third time, Martin Lawrence will appear. No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I won't do that then. Because we, other than him being fun as a straight man in these, because he's fun. He's the uptight partner who doesn't want to do anything. And, and he really, really, that's. Martin, the, the, one of the good huge, things they realized is. He's a huge comedic presence himself. And for him to understand the funniness and that we're going to completely relate to him more than the other character because he's like, wow, mm-hmm. what's going on? It It's smart. It's smart. And it's, it, it, it doesn't feel in the first movie on the page necessarily like that's the guy he would be. Right. And yeah. And you know, Martin, one of, and, and that's, it's also an awareness uh, by, by Martin and his people around him etc., to understand that, one of the keys to Martin Lawrence's comedy is his ability to use his face as a rubber mask yeah. um, and his reactions, his, re- his, you know, when he is put under stress, he, it's not just a, a look of fear. It is, you know, he is, he, and, <laughs> and, 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 and the magic of, of what he has done in his career and why he has had such a, a you know, a, a big career as a comedian and as a television performer and, and in some movies is, is 
somehow when he makes these over the top facial gestures, they're still somehow grounded in a reality. Like it works. It, it, it again, it come, it's that little come bit from of, his core, even though yeah, it's, it's that little bit of it. It's a, yeah, it's a little bit whereas of, Jim uh, Carrey's of, of funny faces come from a Bella Lugosi, how to act in the movies handbook. Right. They don't, Correct. Come, there's no core there to that guy at all. Um, let's just for Martin time, Lawrence. let's move on to, it would become a Martin Lawrence love fest. Who? Uh, yeah. I would have um, told you there was no chance of that ever happening on the show, but he, I like, right. I like him in those films. That's the one saving grace. Martin Lawrence is great as the straight man. Oh crap. The candy man showed up. What? Uh, I hate that. I hate when I get all, get my. I hate when I get murdered from. by the Candyman because I. I hate talk about oh, Martin Lawrence. When I talk about Martin Lawrence, Lawrence and the Candyman shows up. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Jim Candyman. Um. All right. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, the 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 one that triggered this whole uh, this whole episode. It's to- not a it's legacy not. sequel. It's not. Is it? It is. Is it? I don't know. It is. It is, is a it? legacy sequel. Is it? The weird thing about Fury Road is Fury Road was conceived like basically back in the early 90s. And it was supposed to have Mel Gibson in it and it just befell all kinds of problems. Um so it, it and it was always called Fury Road. Like I've been reading it in the trade magazines in pre-internet days that that's what the thing was called. So he'd been carrying that movie around forever and just eventually got to make it but didn't get to make it with his star. Um, I think it is a legacy sequel, or is it? It's di- a little bit difficult. I, I think it is because of the time that passed. Because it's it's what it is more than a legacy sequel is a reboot of Mad Max. But they're not making another Mad Max movie. They're making another uh, Furiosa movie is the next mm-hmm. Mad Max universe movie that's coming out. So I really do think that's a franchise reboot first and foremost. All of these intend to be. This is the one that worked, I guess. Maybe we'll get more Ghostbusters sequels. Hard to believe we won't get another Top Gun. I, I can't help but feel like they're talking in this. So going back to what I was reading before, uh, when we are defining legacy sequel and um, the word legacy and et cetera. Uh, you know, work that f- legacy is a work that follows the continuity of original works, but takes place further along the timeline, often, swing, often focusing on new characters with original ones still present. Legacy sequels are sometimes also direct sequels that ignore previous installments entirely, effectively retconning preceding events. Like Superman Returns I, would be one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's one that they cite here. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great example of it, of let's drop this in the middle of the continuity and not even really take the continuity seriously, which, unfortunately for the audience of the dead day, the, the continuity is important. This mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road has it both ways, and I don't mean to talk about, we'll talk about it with Michael around, and we'll really, really talk about it. Maybe we'll talk about a couple of these at the same time, and it's hard to imagine a deep dive into Fury Road because it's all action, it's literally all action there's not a plot to speak of like there is in the other movies, you know, maybe we can talk about the action and the way we talk about plot. That's what's great about the action in it, but it's, it's all action with intention and very, very little character driven like plot. It's a chase. The chase slows down. It speeds up, stops, but it's a chase the whole time. It's a final Mm -hmm. chase the whole time. Um, 
So it's a weird one that way. I really do believe, though, like all legacy sequels, not just it came later, but we're given the benefit of having spent the time with that character, very much like, like uh, you know, like the first movie we talked about, like like Color of Money. We're, we we even though it's played by a different actor, so it's a reboot technically. I really feel like that that film it benefits from being a legacy sequel, and it. It just it's it takes that story with that amazing action and and leaps it forward into a place where the action can just be off the hook crazy and as CG enhanced or whatever it is I think the action in that film feels completely photo real at all times and I think that's kind of stunning especially with all the 3D gimmicks that are in it and stuff so it's yeah. a big win- big winner if it is a legacy sequel it's kind of we goes this goes back to the millennials a little bit not you guys personally but that segment. You know, let's label everything. Let's make sure we're labeling everything right. That, right. We we'd be complete hypocrites to be like that. We shouldn't label things. I mean, if we couldn't do the show if we didn't label stuff, put things in categories, rank things, we couldn't do it. You have to use those tools to be able to, to get yourself into these discussions. This show, as much as any one we've ever done, is full of just right. labels. But but I will just say, when you get into the minutia of why the label, why not the label, you have divorced yourself from speaking of anything that has anything to do with art. And I would always say, and I try and live by this, but I would always say the best advice is get get away from the label and get back to the art, whether it's music, whatever it is. Get back to discussing the music and not discussing the label. If that's a trap that moves you further from God, truly. So this is my. <laughs> just seems like a good time to reiterate that. But this right. one's tough. This one's tough to stick an easy label on. That's not a bad thing. That's actually a no, cool not thing. a bad thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool thing. Yeah, we're not saying that as a knock on it. Yep. Um, all right, so let's. We're going to end on a category of when almost everything clicks, and we'll in these fly six. through these. Yep, um, it's weird to fly for, through the positive ones, but. Some of these that, I know are going to have their own deep well, dives. Well, and don't we've talked, a... to, yeah, we've talked about these before. We uh, also will talk about them. But in, you know, don't don't just because we cruise through this, don't blow this category off. These really are the legacy sequels where I, like I said at the beginning, these were all terrible ideas. None of these should have even been attempted. Not <laughs> right. one of them should have been attempted, and yet they were. And maybe they weren't everything you wanted them to be. But they were something that worked really, really, really well on their own level. And that's right. why they're being celebrated here in their own little category. So Yeah, and we're going to start with Creed. Creed. The Sorry. Creed movies are, uh, first of all, the Rocky movies aren't that great. So the Creed movies don't have a whole lot to live up to. The Rocky is great. And Creed is really, really good. The first legacy sequel they uh, creed's not as good as rocky was in its day blah 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 it's not we won't put them all on a line graph or anything we don't have to do that but the point is the creed sequels are kind of like the rocky sequels it really is very much diminishing returns as they go but that's part of the rocky legacy i swear anyway so they they don't wear out their welcome that i don't think they're bad i think that those are good movies well thought out really honor the past while bringing some of it along with them um and there's a lot to explore there. And this is one where I, we probably won't talk about much in the future. So it'd be nice to talk about it here. But I ran out of time on somewhere Mary Poppins there. I ran out of time. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and, and uh, next up is a new movie the, the I Creed know. Movies are, uh, if you like the Rocky movies, the Creed yeah. movies are great. They're great. Yeah. And if you don't um, like the Rocky movies, the Creed movies might still be great to you because they're they're a different thing. They have, Waltz, they're a different thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, ne next up is a movie I know that uh, we'll have a deep dive, and that is Blade Runner 2049. That deep dive is definitely coming. It will not be a four-hour deep dive like the original Blade Runner um, but again, here's a movie that was just, just, this movie just shouldn't be around. And this movie falls into all the things we've talked about here. So there's a lot of fun things to talk about. The misunderstanding of how truly popular Blade Runner really is, is definitely part of this film's legacy. Um, whether, whether the demand for this was there in the size needed to support a film of this sort of magnitude, <laughs> And yet, mm -hmm. it's and there's the the questions about does this film need to be two and a half hours long? No, it doesn't. But is that generosity of storytelling and that scale of 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 honoring something's legacy part of what works in it? It is. So a lot to talk about with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but mostly the miracle of it is it just it's a it's a super it's an awful idea. They brought in a a guy capable of making big blockbusters, and he made a huge expensive art film, and it still works, and and does nothing to take anything away from the original Blade Runner. I mean, it just it checks some of the toughest boxes in this category, and so in that way, bravo to everybody involved, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, next up is Dr. Sleep, the sequel, the will, legacy sequel to yeah. The Shannon. That will no doubt get a... Uh, we talked about it a little chunk when we were talking about uh, Stephen King, but I hadn't seen it then. And then in my year in review, or one of the horror shows, I can't remember which, we talked about it, but I saved the best for last, so I had to fly through it, just like I'm doing with these. Um, that'll get its own show someday, because that's that's a legacy sequel that literally does everything right in an impossible way. Remind me, Joel, the name of that guy, the the guy who made that. Dr. Sleep? Yeah, the writer-director. Uh, the writer-director is Mike Flanagan. Yeah, Mike Flanagan. Oh, my God, dude. Just He just knows his way around the form in a way that is so instinctual and genius, and that film... That film had to be an adaptation of Stephen King's sequel to his book, and it had to be a sequel to the movie that everybody loves. The things, things in which in both of them are diametrically opposed to one another, and it had to satisfy you and make you relive all that stuff, and it had to deliver new things to you. It had to have a huge middle act where our hero does nothing but sit around uh, in a hospice mm -hmm. with a cat and still be interesting. And those are the best parts of the movie. Like it just is like, it just, I just watched that movie in awe. I've seen it three times. It's tough. It's a rough one. I watched it yeah. with a friend of mine who couldn't handle it. And I think that <laughs> I couldn't handle it in a, in a totally fair way. I get it. And I felt like I hurt my friend. I even because I, I knew those things were coming. And I thought by warning him and being, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That we could overcome that together and get to the, the big payoff parts of the movie. And he just he literally couldn't get through it. And that, that, ladies and gentlemen, not finishing the movie. I know normally I'm not a fan of that. But that, not finishing it because you've been gutted. 
because you can only engage with art in an empathetic way, that's passing the humanity test. I mean, my buddy did that. And I'm the evil guy at the controls who's like, <laughs> Duh, I just uh, still feel he's forgiven me, but I just still feel it's tremendous amount of guilt about that. But look, that's again the miracle of Doctor Sleep. Mm -hmm. That movie gets you there. It puts you right there where it is tough to go on, to continue on. That for a, a movie to do that is a very, very impressive feat. So we'll we'll talk more about Doctor Sleep later. Yeah, uh, you'll have to tell me after we're done here who that friend was. I will. Um, I will. It'll break your heart when you hear because oh, no. the, the dude who least deserves it in the whole world probably. <laughs> I I I have a I have a guess. Um, all right, next up is Top Gun Maverick, which we just talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah. Just go back to our final episode of our year in reviews. I believe it's the ninth year in review episode. <laughs> next year there'll be nineteen of them. Woo! Hang in there. Um, hey, you say why don't we talk about yeah. the current events enough? I mean, there you go. There they are. Yeah, better or worse, and I yeah. think they are still have usefulness as things you can return to and listen to. So the way we try and categorize them, but we don't need mm -hmm. to talk about what's great about Maverick. We don't need to, it's, it's all the same things with Blade Runner. It's not yeah. as it's not, it's, it's not the, first of all, it's just not the same. It is not the same at all. It's not the same approach to storytelling when it is, is are the only couple of times it fails. That scene in the bar where he has to keep buying everybody drinks and stuff, that scene is interminable and goes on and on and on and on forever and is awful. And it's trying to give you a little slice of that boys on the side kind of quality that Top yep. Gun has. And it when yep. it does that, it's terrible. But when it when it really brings the reverence, when it really brings the action, um, when it really gets too characters clashing over th things that they believe in, man, that film just, it knocks your socks off. And I don't even think Top Gun is good. So I'm, I'm, I guess this is my, Joel had one of these, right? Tron Legacy. This is my, I like Top Gun Maverick. Holy cow. It shouldn't yeah. surprise me because those films are by the same guy. I like the, to some degree or another, and to a large degree here, I like the Legacy sequel better than the original by a, a lot, actually. Maybe that like will wear off next time I watch it when it's not new and fresh and blowing my mind. When it just is what it is, maybe it's not that great. In fact, I suspect it's not. But it still gets the award for Legacy sequels to a certain degree because an impossible task put ahead of everybody and somehow... There it is, biggest movie in America of the year, and yep. it's really, really tough to find someone anywhere who doesn't like it. And when you make a movie for everybody and everybody likes it, the rest is gravy, truly. Right. Yeah. Um, and now Larry, we're going to end the show talking about uh, a highly anticipated legacy sequel that. Um, comes out very very soon here in fact it comes out on the 30th of this month um and that is indiana jones and the dial of destiny it almost escapes being a legacy sequel because there was sort of another legacy sequel bridging the gap between them the uh the um, crystal skull kingdom of the crystal oh, skull yeah, yeah right i always want to call it the invaders from mars or whatever whatever they were going to originally yeah. call it um 
So I don't know. I I, I haven't seen this. I missed buying right. pre-sale tickets for it, so I got to find a seat here amongst the chaos uh, one of the opening nights. But I'm going to the theater for the first time because of this. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is is it's not the best movie ever made, but it's my favorite movie of all time. Right. I just think everything I go to the movie. See episode. See episode season one. Episode one. Indiana Jones. We got those in our back pocket for deep dives in the future. This will probably be part of that. Yep. one way or another a very hopeful for this you know i thought uh, i i i thought logan was a really really good um uh, character capper um yeah and just a really good movie in its own right um i thought most of mangold's films i feel that way about and i like the initial writing team i don't like seeing david kep's name on the script ever i never liked that <laughs> but um but the other guys, I think, I, were in good hands with them. The people who made um, Ford versus Ferrari and stuff like so. I just, I really, I'm really hopeful that this is good and meaningful, you know. And I certainly hope it's not as dour as Logan was. Logan's a dark, ugly tread. Yeah. It, it's it's an endurance test of a movie emotionally to some degree. I don't really, I'm not really into that. But it doesn't appear like it appears like they know what movie they're making a sequel to. And yet they're still trying to bring an element of that to it. And I just, I really think the character could use a send-off. Even, God bless him, even though I was ripping on him early into the show, even a J.J. Abrams-level send-off would be better than I think what we got in Crystal Skull. And so yeah. I think even if it just succeeds on that level, it, it will be a welcome thing. And it has the potential to be better, so I'm very excited for it. But more on that when I see it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is going to do it for our episode on Legacy Sequels. Joel spent a whole bunch of time setting up a whole big ending for this, and I just talked my way. That's okay. Can I? No, no, that's okay. Because this auction, we can do. We, you know, we can do it any time. It's not necessarily legacy. No, it, it the, the idea right. of legacy is what got me thinking about this, and we're gonna do we're gonna do an auction of our favorite episodes of the movie show with Joel. Can I quick play my theme? It's fifteen seconds long. Please. Yeah, this is what I, what what we're gonna have. <laughs> and for some reason, it did not transfer over correctly. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, it's just one oh, more thing for them no. to look forward to when oh, we actually do it. Or did you lose okay, it? Here, no, here I can play it from. I can play it from iTunes because I'm sharing my sound. Um, here we go. And give it a second to open. Come on, come on, computer. No, no, you take your time. I don't want to rush you. I no, don't want to rush you. This is cool. all going to get cut. Oh, my God. No, no, we got to keep Holy this. Holy buckets. Okay, here we go. Let's see if it plays. And auction. Why is it not playing? Suddenly, everything is not playing. Oh, my goodness. This is embarrassing. Okay. Hey, well, I'll be... Maybe... You'll hear it if you stay all the way to the end of the actual ending. We'll stick it in. I'll stick it in. Or you'll hear it when we actually do the segment. Joel, solidarity with the Writers Guild of America. Am I right? Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, All right, gang. Uh, Next week, a very special episode. And look, and this was evidence of how AI truly can fail us in our moment of need. Yeah, yeah. 
Indeed. Um, next week is a very special episode. I will be out traveling, but uh, Ryan will be joined by our good friend, Michael Kalug again, Woo! and they we will have a movie show with Michael and Ryan. And uh, I it'll be the legacy be... prequels. <laughs> and uh, Prometheus yeah, and Alien Covenant. So you, if you wanted yep. us to finally get to those, it, it's happening. Why? Well, they're, because it was the truly the lowest hanging fruit on the tree, man. We just we had to grab <laughs> we had to grab what we knew we could do in a hurry. So right, it should, be, it should be fun. All right. Should be fun, right? Those movies are, have a lot to like, and they have yep. a lot to hate, and that usually makes for the best discussions rather than love it or hate it type stuff. All right, well that's gonna do it for this week. Thanks everybody. Have a good and nothing is playing again. What the what, David Blaine? Okay. Holy buckets. I'm going to shut this app down. And that is. And we'll fix this. this. Is, we'll fix this in honest post. If you don't God, mind, I'm going to go ahead never and play mine happened. while we sit here. Yeah, here we go. Let's see if it. Nope, you have to play yours out. I'm playing it. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for hanging Goodbye, with everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. And now, a YouTube exclusive Joel's auction theme song edited in post due to technological <laughs> betrayal. Complete betrayal. Here we go. Let's hear it. All right, let's go on the right there, and what do you want to give for him? I'm at 40 over here, now 5. You're 40 over here, now 45. Get a knife over here, now 55. I'm at the 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 over here, now 55.